Well, everybody, it's that time of year again. Yeah, if you've just joined us, we're in uh, we're in hour number six of our telethon for raising money for the two half squads. Yeah, it's that time of year, folks. Yeah, you know, um, we can't run the show uh, on on uh, commercials alone. You know how it is with these types of things. It's very expensive to support this kind of show. Right. No one enjoys doing this telethon phone-in. We, we, we lose precious programming moments, moments, don't we, Jeff? That's right. But we do really appreciate you that donate to us. The National Endowment for the Arts, of course, uh, supports the two half squads with a very generous uh, monthly donation. But we can't do it on that alone. No, and corporate sponsors are hard to come by, especially in this economy. Uh, and, And Catherine T. and John D. MacArthur are tapped out. They're tapped out. They will not sponsor us anymore, folks. So why, Jeff? What kind of programming? What makes this show unique? Well, Dave, it's a show that provides a special, special uh, bit of Americana and Russianicana and Germanicana. And Finnicana. Finnicana. Japanese-icana. And uh, provides a very special service for people around the world. Yeah, you just can't get this kind of low-quality programming just anywhere, can you, Jeff? Hopefully not. You have to really look for it. And that's why. We really need our listeners to step up here. You can see we've got a, a whole studio full of volunteers here. Got, we have our regulars, Joe Pelham, and yeah. there's Bob Holmstrom. Yeah, and then we have some very special volunteers. There's Lars Turing, who flew in all the way from Germany. Hey, Lars. Thanks, Great to Lars. have you here, him and, and his there's friends. Phil from Wales, who was very kind and came over. Apparently, he stowed away on a freighter and uh, in a refrigerator compartment. Uh, but he's still... How are you feeling, Phil? You look terrible. Oh, yeah. He's recovering. I think, he, I think he's all right. But everybody's here helping us out. Spilky of, and Tim and Dave yeah. and the whole gang. So. And the phone lines are open, so what, don't hesitate. What number would we call, Jeff? Well, uh, if you want to make a donation, you can call 838-747-9-2. And what was that number again, Jeff? It's 648 all right, so don't hesitate, folks. Pick yeah. up that phone. Pick up that and phone. Let's get make some that calls call. rolling in. If when you call you get a busy signal, uh, don't give up. Keep trying. We're going to be here all night long, and we want to talk to you. We want to take your calls. We got some great gifts for those people that are making donations. Dave, for the hundred dollar donation, what are we giving away? Well, with the $100 donation, you get this scrap paper that I had used to make my notes. Oh, there's the first call, There's the first caller. That's great. Thanks a lot. Look at Lars. He great. Look at him. <laughs> Lars and Shostak from Texas are wrestling <laughs> over the phone. <laughs> Play nice, boys. All right. It's plenty, plenty of calls to go around. If you can't decide, just roll the dice. <laughs> just low die roll wins. This wonderful sheet of scrap paper where I took my Panzerfaust notes for our quiz show segment. What a great gift that would make for some lucky listener that calls in. Make a $100 donation. Get Dave's uh, special notes. It's going to look great on the wall of your home above the fireplace. Or it's definitely even, worth even framing. Even in the fireplace. And what else, Jeff, do we have for gifts? Well, uh, for $50, we've got what would have been box art, but I managed to scrape some of the ashes out of the fireplace, and um, you can have the ashes from some of my previous boxes. And then for a $25 donation, we get this 8-neg-1 counter of mine that's really worn off. Yeah. 
Well, remember, folks, call this number immediately, 436-426-6plus-1. That's right. Support the two half squads. What's that number again? 436-426-6plus-1. That's for you conscripts out there. We appreciate you, every one of you. Remember, this is quality programming, folks. That's right. We have some great programming. We have things like... Uh, uh, box Art Review. Of course, the marvelous Box Art Review. A very popular segment. We've got, uh, what else do we have, Dave? Some of our... Well, What's in the Box. Extremely popular. Very favorite show. Quiz Show. Quiz Show is extremely popular, and we wouldn't... Uh, it'd be a shame if that were to go away because we didn't have enough funds to support the show. And then we have the, the very uh, popular... What scenario are you playing over there, hey? <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how I played this scenario. Yeah. You know, not to mention, Jeff, what kind of the interviews people get on this show. Oh, we have very good quality interviews with some very nice people. Um, I can't remember any of them right now. No. People from around the world, except for Lars. There, oh, Lars is waving. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It was Lars. Yeah. All right. It's international. It's an international show. We are bringing the world together through the, through the beauty of Advanced Squad Leader. That's right. Well, looks like since the phones are ringing off the hooks, we can go ahead to our regular show. Is that right? That's right, and we'll be checking back later and checking on the progress of our tel- two half squads telethon. Again, folks, this show could not be made possible except for donations from listeners like you. Thanks for your donations. Thank you. Today's production of the two half squads is brought to you in part by the C4 Corner Cutter from Counterculture. Spend more time gaming and less time cutting corners with the C4 Corner Cutter. And by listener donations from listeners like Scott, Russell, Phil, and Steve. Thanks for your contributions. And here we go with another episode of the two half squads. The only podcast on the net that is 100% dedicated to the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jeff. And sitting across from me is... And I'm Dave. Dave. Fully functional. And today is July 7th, 2009. Yes, it is. This is episode 22. 22. Yep. Amazing. We're doing so good. We are doing well. Yeah, we're almost to our 100th. That's yeah, the goal can, is at least to crack a hundred. Yeah, it should be no problem at this yeah. point. You know, if you actually count in the ASL extras, there's more than that. If you count in the ASL extras, yeah, yeah, that's right. You can move your mic closer if you want. Yes, I do. Yeah, those ASL extras are coming. Uh, I can tell you're on a little a summer break because <laughs> you. You are churning them out, baby. Yeah, I get a little Which extra time yeah. to get them edited and posted, so um, it'll slow down in the winter. Yeah. There won't be as many. Well, we have some listener mail to our episode, uh, our interview with Lars. One says, this is a great documentary on the Winter War, and he gives a site here, um, Fire and Ice, the Winter War. So if you Google that, I'm sure you'll find it. If you order it, they'll send you a replica finished dog tag. Sounds cool. I haven't ordered it yet. 
that's from Corporal All, and he's also wondering if there is a Finnish beer. Hmm. I bet there is. I mean, there must be. Got to be one somewhere. Yeah, we should go and find out. I'm wondering about the dog tag, though. Is that something you really want? Oh, yeah. Would you wear right. that around? No. Would you? No. You well, maybe just to the beach. <laughs> well, on airplane rides. Yeah. Or while I'm wearing my two half squads t shirt. Yeah. Walking the south side of Chicago at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a nice look. Maybe when I drink milk that's past the expiration date, doing risky behavior like that. Yeah. So we can so we can ID you. Yes. I need to know. I need to look that up about the dog tags, how that worked. Do you know about dog tags? They kept it, and one was stuck between your teeth, I believe, when you were killed in war or tied to the toe. Uh, so did you uh, wear more than one? Two. Yeah, your dog, dog tags had two. Oh, they took one for the records, and they stuck the other one in your teeth, I think, to, to identify your body. Really? I'm sure some listeners can let us know. It's yeah. a morbid topic, though. You know, it's a morbid week. Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. That chimp thing was still last month. It just all is very scary. Yeah. Well, let's get to a lighter topic. Okay. Uh, here's a letter. Hey, Jeff and Dave, I would like to thank you for having the gumption to make a podcast about the game. I never thought of it as gumption. Gumption. But yeah, maybe it is. You're darn tootin' we got gumption. <laughs> well, remember, we never profess to know anything. And that's no. the secret to the show. We don't have knowledge, but we've got gumption <laughs> run a thing over. That's right. Oh, it takes yeah. all the pressure off. You yeah. know? He has not listened to he has not listened to all the episodes yet. Oh, too bad. But I will have time over the next few days while I'm in the hospital following back surgery. Oh, this yeah. is getting sad again. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry to hear that, Russell. When I when I first started reading that, I thought maybe he was a doctor and he was gonna play them while he was in the operating room. <laughs> you know to keep in himself his, entertained. In his MP three player yeah. mm-hmm. around his iPod. Um, and he asked for a shirt. Now, here's what he said that was really helpful. The shirt off our backs. The T-shirt. We got managed to sell another one. Folks, we are down to one, one large. And it may even be gone by the time this show airs. So if you're thinking, now's the time to order that one large T-shirt. <laughs> and then they are gone. And there are going to be not... a lot of disappointed people out there well, once those are gone. you know, you see all your friends walking around in one. Yeah. And we may make more, but it won't be for probably a year. And they'll be maybe the same design with a different color shirt, or it may be a whole new design. Who knows? But he recommends... I'm just going to get a tattoo on my chest of the logo. But then you always wear a shirt. No one can see it. Well, I may just go topless with just the dog tags. (laughs) You're already not wearing pants. Yeah. (laughs) Complete the ensemble. He's, now here's the I'm going to show part. everybody my gumption. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Here's the important part Sorry. of this letter. Yeah. I think an interview with R. Kinney, the creator of Vassal, would be interesting. That and, would be, yeah. And review the covers of the old annuals and journals. Aha. So that art box art review can yeah. continue yeah. with now being called annual art review. Yeah. And so thank you, Russell. Yeah, it's a great idea. We will someday get to Vassal. Jeff, got a, any predictions on time? Uh, no, good because no. you're horrible at predicting uh, yeah. time. <laughs> uh, about a week ago, I was thinking about maybe making a prediction on it, but I'm going to put that off. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in another letter from John Barkoviak, 
uh, enjoyed this episode. Lars is a very good interviewee. I love the Winter War topic and the Finns. I had a Finnish play-by-email partner for over 12 years, and we chatted about the Finn experiences in World War II a ton. Nice. Also, Pekka Parika's grueling classic, The Winter War, is a good movie with English subtitles. His Finnish, My Finnish play-by-email partner gave it to me for Christmas one year. Cheers. Well done, Jeff and Dave. And so we're rec- he's recommending that film, The Winter yeah. War, which we talked about, I think, before. If we had an internet connection right now, I would order it right now from Amazon. Yes, you would. Yeah. We can watch it together. Yeah. Here's one. Thanks for another extra. The images were great. Okay, this transitions us to some comments on the extra episode that I managed to put up with by my little old self. I didn't have to call Jeff and bug him and got the photos up. And So tell me, how, how, the, how was this different from uh, your other extras? Uh, just the photos. So there's a track on GarageBand. You can just drag these photos in. I probably should have been doing this earlier. Uh, our listeners have always asked, so I thought I'd give it a try. And the trick was to save it as an MP4 to get it to appear with the pictures on the website. Yeah. So if you click on the Listen button, it opens up and the photos start to appear. Yeah. The problem is, and, well, let me finish this letter. Um, he was listening, trying to, to watch the images in his iPhone while driving home. Oh, yeah, that's safe. Not a good idea. And I guess this extra episode highlights why some folks would rather be lucky than good, because you have to get to the end of that episode and see the amazing run the Americans take at the end, and that's from Paul. So, yeah, that uh, that was very cool what you did. We did have a few people um, that had some technical difficulties with it because you created it with GarageBand and saved it as an MP4 instead of an MP3. Now, an MP4 is a format um, exclusive to iTunes, the iTunes software. It lets you do more with the audio because you, like, you can add the pictures to it. You can also add chapter stops to MP4s. Which I think I did. So, which is very cool. The only problem with that is it's not universally uh, translatable. So you have to have iTunes or play it on an iPod. You can't download it and put it on any other kind of MP3 player. Okay. Yeah. And you can't, you can burn it to a disc if you have iTunes, but still. um, But it appears on the... You'd get the audio only then. But it appears on the website. Can you burn it to a DVD since it has pictures? I don't think you can burn MP4s to DVD. You probably could with iTunes. Yeah. But then it wouldn't play in your car stereo. No, you have to play it. On your computer, yeah. so if you and wanted, you're back to watching it on the computer by right. pushing the listen button, right? But for those people that want to like play David. it in their audio player while they're while they're driving or or burn it as a as an audio CD, we're going to make it the the MP3 available also as a link. We think, yeah, we'll put a link on there. Okay, it, you can just download it. All right, so there are lots of questions from, like, David and a couple other people. Yeah, that was from David. Even Tim, the guy who did the the podcast, hasn't been able to get it with the photos. So, well, he's an engineer. (laughs) I think he's a writing guy. Writing guy. Um, This one, I was able to listen more closely and glance at the pictures along with Extra 9. You really raised the bar. Yes, we did. Thank you, Todd. This email, I just listened to this again, only this time did I take time to set up and play along. He's referring to Newbie Doo, 
part one. He, he's, he's, he's simply pointing out, this is Phil, he's pointing out the first time he listened, he loved it, but the second time he played along with the pieces and yeah. is telling us it's really worth doing this. Listening is fine, but you get so much more out of moving the units along. Highly recommended to move the units. And he's asking for number two. Maybe that'll have appeared already by the time this show does. Yeah, possibly. But I doubt it. No, no I'm <laughs> kidding. Is that Phil from Wales? Yes. Yeah. Our dear friend Phil from Wales. And at this point, I was going to play the uh, the national anthem of Wales, Land of Our Fathers. Oh, but I don't have my organ. Yeah, sorry. We'll live. What else you got? More? Oh, one last one. Uh, let's see. It's just from Timothy Stone, sharing a little bit about himself, his background as a player of Panzer Blitz and listening to a podcast about a game he doesn't even play. We don't want, he doesn't want us to think he's too crazy because he doesn't even play squad leader, but again, a listener who, who enjoys this show. The video photo track on this podcast is precisely the way to go. Kudos on this enhancement and keep it up. And so again, thanks, Tim. And we're going to try and add that other feature, the MP3 club link. Yeah, right. All right. And I've got one here from Steve. Uh, who's, who writes, I myself per- prefer to play pa- campaign games as opposed to different scenarios, mainly because of the feeling of continuity. Oh, there's a mystery, oh, there's a, there's mystery caller. Someone's donating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, the two half squads. Hey. Got one last note here from Steve, who writes, I myself prefer to play campaign games as opposed to different scenarios mainly because of the feeling of continuity from day to day, having to keep your troops ready to fight again while still attaining the objective, wondering if that 9-1 leader will survive or be promoted, demoted during the course of the campaign game. I also like that aspect of solitaire squad leader and the fog of war effect of never knowing what will appear as you advance or defend in the different missions. Have you ever played that uh, solitaire ASL, Dave? Yes. You know, we've talked a bit about campaigns before with Joe and the one you were starting. And yeah. someday we may do a whole roundtable discussion, having a bunch of guests in discussing campaign games in yeah. general. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. But the solitaire is a game where your forces, it's just you, and your forces are, are placed out in front of you with these black concealment counters. And each nationality has a chart. So if I'm playing the Americans against the Germans, I roll a dice when that consumer counter comes up. And there's some variables to that, of course. I have not played it in a very long time. I think I've played probably four or five games solitaire with so many opponents in my area. I decided I didn't need to do that, and I sold it, the game. But the counters then turn up what that is. So it could be an 88 gun in there. It could be a squad, a conscript. And then you have missions to accomplish, and you roll for a new board as you cross a board. And then you place the board and put out more concealment counters and, and then fight your way across. The defender has kind of an automatic response when they'll shoot, when they'll do a subsequent fire, if I remember correctly. So you're not making those decisions for the counter. Yeah. I think they were done with random generation. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it, it was fun? It was it was fun enough, yes. If you don't have a face-to-face opponent, I would recommend it, certainly. And Steve goes on to say, anyway, ending this lengthy missive, 
Is my comment on podcast 20, where you guys were describing the scenario between 10 Churchills and three, I believe, Jagdpanthers, uh, the JGPZ5s. You were calling them Panzer Jagers or Jaegers, Jaegers, which is incorrect. The vehicles are actually Jagdpanzers, which is tank hunters. Correct. And I think we do know that, but yeah. the. Yeah, Jaegers and not Jaegers. Yeah. Is, is that right? I usually do say it Jaeger, but um, yeah, the Panzer. But it's Jagd Panzer, not Panzer Jaeger. For the tank. Yeah. And the Panzer Jaegers yeah. are the infantry, which. Yeah, the infantry who were uh, a component of those divisions were Panzer Jaegers riding around in half tracks. Jaeger is the term for the specialized troops, um, such as the Panzer Jaeger or the Fallschirm Jaegers, which are paratroopers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, keep up the great work. Even though you make mistakes, keep up the great work. Hopefully I'll get to meet you at you guys at a con sometime. Well, and we are going to Gen Con, uh, but we're going to be in disguise, aren't we? We are going to Gen Con, and we are... In Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. We're not going to be in disguise. We're going to wear our t-shirts. Oh. Okay, we can do that too. And I did not print out the letter, but we'll read it. Well, I'll mention it now that there is a listener, and I'm sorry I forgot your name, that wants to meet us at Gen Con. That came in today. Wow. So is he, he gonna is he gonna like greet us as we get off our tour bus? He'll <laughs> <laughs> have, have a sign saying T two H S waiting with a limousine to take us yeah. to the con. He um would like to get together for a game of squad leader. And I, I responded in the email saying we play so much squad leader here, we when we go to Gen Con, we kinda like to do different games or some role playing or just shop a lot. Yeah. Uh, but maybe we could. And I said I'd discuss yeah. it with you. So just so you know, we are considering the idea. And either way, we'd love to meet you maybe yeah, for absolutely. lunch or something, right? Yeah, have something to eat, something to drink. Excellent. Talk some squad later, which would be great. Yep. So thanks everybody for your letters. As usual, we really enjoy those. Well, in this show, uh, um, we're very proud to have, uh, have done an interview with uh, Matt Shostak from the Texas ASL group, and he is the head honcho, chief mucky muck, sort of, I guess he shares that with other people, but in charge of that bonsai, that great bonsai newsletter yep. that they put out, not bonsai, but bonsai newsletter. Bonsai! And um, so we got an interview with him coming up now, and then after that, we're going to turn to the ASOP chart, right? Yes, we will. Through. Yes, we will. And someday we'd like to interview lots of different people who run clubs around the world yeah so maybe you will be next me no not you <laughs> oh, the, not specifically the you. listeners out there you don't know much about theater of the mind do you no I maybe don't have, you i don't know much about my mind yeah. so let's go to that interview and uh, we'll talk to you after that we'll be back uh today we're welcoming a special guest via the miracle of skype we've got matt shostak with us all the way from the great state of Texas. Hi, Matt. Welcome. Hi there, guys. It's great to be here. We're very happy to have you. You're not from Texas. I'm not originally from Texas, but I've lived here for over 20 years now. You haven't picked up an accent more? Not really, although I, ha- I have learned to say y'all. <laughs> well, we'll look That's forward a- to hearing that. But that is amazing. I- I'm I'm very empathetic when I'm, tr- even when I'm traveling. I could if I traveled to Texas for three days, I'd come home with an accent. It's really annoying. I had a friend who uh, whose accent would actually get worse the farther away from Texas he would get. It was like he was showing it off. 
Some people really like the accent. We, we can even go to central Illinois and they start uh, speaking with a southern accent. Well, Matt, then uh, can you give us your background in gaming? My background in gaming? I actually was given as a gift for my 18th birthday uh, the original squad leader game by my brother and best friend. And I played that a little bit solitaire, but it was very hard to find any opponents. And then I kind of put it out of sight and out of mind throughout college. And finally, uh, after coming here to Texas, I on almost on a whim just picked up Advanced Squad Leader, not really expecting I would find any opponents. Um, but uh, I did find Mike Senegan online, and uh, over time, we started building the Austin Club, which eventually became the Texas Club. Uh, and uh, most of my career has basically been focused on ASL, although since picking up ASL, I've picked up a lot of other games. What I suppose... Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, what other, what other games do you have then? Or, or Yeah, well, way back in the day, I should also uh, give a call out to games like uh, Ogre and GEV and things like that from uh, metagaming or microgaming back in the late 70s. They kind of gave me my first uh, taste for it. Uh, but yeah, what other games I have now? I really like that Operational Combat series of games that uh, originally came out of the gamers, and I guess MMP is... Uh, Helming that now also. I have nearly all of those. And I'm a big fan of A Victory Lost, which I think is an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, and there's a bunch of others. Uh, mostly board games then? Oh yeah, definitely. Do you do Settler, no. Settlers of Catan? I actually own that game and haven't even broken the do. shrimp wrap on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody owns this game. I don't have it, but everyone else seems to be playing it. I guess uh, it's it, good with families. Yeah, it was uh, recommended to me by uh, Kirk Waller, who uh, was an Austin player who, who's in San Antonio now, and he's a big fan of those sort of uh, group play games, and uh, on his recommendation, I picked it up. I might actually just go buy it as soon as we're done with this interview, because <laughs> that Catan, everyone seems to have that. Maybe my kids would like it. Yeah, you can borrow it. I've got a copy, Dave. Oh, Jeff has You're it right here behind to... me. Yeah. yeah, and El Grande is actually a great uh, multiplayer game. As well, I have played that a couple times. Mm -hmm. I also have uh, Carcassonne, Dave, which I think you would like. Okay. A game called Carcassonne, very, very popular and easy for everybody to play. It has carcasses in it. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it Yikes. does. Aye. But we're talking about squad leader today. I'm hoping. At some yes. Point. Yes. Did we get there? Um. He gave us Matt gave us cool. his background, and um. So, how often do you play? Well, I play as often as I can. Uh, usually I'm looking for games on Saturdays, and I, I play most Saturdays that I can find an opponent in the Austin area. Uh, since we have a game day the first Saturday of every month, uh, usually I, I'll play maybe once to two or three times a month. Uh, how many people show up at the game day? It really varies. Uh, We've had game days that are as small as four people, but we've had some that have had 14, which basically fills my house to capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think just yesterday uh, they had one in Houston where a few Austin guys went down. It sounded like they were going to crowd Nick Drinkwater's place with about 10 to 12 people. So it's, it's not that uncommon anymore, especially now that our group has become so large that, that we can get uh, you know, 10 people at a game day you know, fairly commonly. Yeah, that's great. There's nothing like it. We're, Dave and I uh, often talk about how blessed we feel to live in an area where there are plenty of squad leader players. Even though we're yeah, not playing each other a lot of the time, it's great having a, a lot of players in the area. 
Right, it really adds a lot playing a multitude of different players. You see different styles, and you make a lot of good friends. So it's very beneficial. Yeah. Now, is there a, is there a game store in the area that sells Squad Leader products? You know, there are a couple. I haven't been actually inside a game store in many years uh, wow. since I've... Yeah, I've usually just ordered my things, you know, directly from MMP since they started doing that. Or, uh, you know, some of the other, like, third-party guys are mail-order type things. So mm-hmm. I haven't set foot in a gaming store in a long, long time. It's probably a good idea. We have a great, really a fantastic gaming store not too far from us called, well, yeah, not far at all. Games, it's called Games Plus, and it is just amazing, the variety of things they have in there. Like a kid in a candy store, but very dangerous. Yeah, the the good advantage to going to a place like that is you actually get to see the box, you know, and kind of see what's possibly in the game or something, and uh, you can't quite get that necessarily online. Right. I always take Dave with me because um, if he doesn't like the cover of the box, I can't buy the game. That's right. <clears throat> he has to have good oh. art. Box art's very important. I, in fact, I was going to say that uh, I heard one of your previous segments on ASL box art, and I thought that was... Absolutely hilarious, and I went around uh, scrounging my my stuff. You were doing the, I guess, the Hollow Legions, and I was looking for it so that I could view the box <laughs> while I heard your comments. And I was in a panic because I couldn't find my box. I'd saved them all, and I was thinking, where the heck did I put that thing? Better have uh, those so, boxes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find it until much later, but uh, but it was quite an amusing segment. I hope you keep it up. Yeah, we have. It went away for a while. You're not caught up in listening to all the episodes then. At one point, we we had a little some people who didn't like it, so it disappeared. Oh. But it's come back. It's come back. Good. It's come back strong. It's come back to haunt me. <laughs> but it's amusing. So, um, are you sort of the leader of the group down there? Well, I don't know. Uh, I suppose one of the leaders might be a better way to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the founders, I suppose. When we started in the early '90s. Uh, it was pretty much Mike Senegan and me. Uh, Mike knew a couple other guys who played, including uh, Rodney Kinney, who of VASL fame, who used to be here. But uh, oh, wow. Rodney moved away very shortly after I got involved, so I barely uh, got to play him down here. And there were a couple other guys, one of whom moved away, and we didn't hear very much from. So it was pretty much Mike and me when we started. And uh, over time, just through consistent... Um, effort of you know reaching out and being available to other players we've built it up over time but there are quite a few guys in austin if you perused our website and and the bonsai newsletter and our tournament you see that we've got a lot of guys picking up different things that they're good at or that they like to do and so uh that's very gratifying too because there's no way one guy could really lead in the sense of doing all that stuff we have to have guys who host game days we have guys who've stepped forward to run the tournament like rick reinish We've had guys to run our website, Sam Tyson and Rick Reinish, and uh, and all sorts of guys writing things for Bonsai and so forth. So th- there's really quite a few leaders uh, of our group. And how did you get all of these? Are, are any of these new players or players that you have brought into the squad leader fold, or have they all sort of been squad leader players and have emerged? And you know, it around? has. I think most of them have had some sort of exposure to gaming one way or another before they. They jump into squad leader. There are a few guys who've who've contacted us in the last couple of years, or contacted uh, us, not just meaning the Houston, the the Austin group, but also the Houston group or Dallas or whatever, uh, that are starting in with the starter kit. 
But I found that even most of those guys seem to have come from some sort of gaming background before they jump into Starter Kit or ASL. It's not exactly your entry-level game. No, well, that's true. Very true. Although it was for me. But, again, I had that guy teaching me the game and, and dragging me, kicking and screaming through it. But, yeah, it was. I really didn't start with any Panzer Blitz or anything else like that. Oh, right. It's unique. And then, uh, I mean, I love the website. I, I go to your website yeah, a lot. It's fantastic. Because it's just got, oh, that's great. It's well, got all I, kinds I, of great stuff on it. But You, you can know, thank Sam Tyson and Rick Reinish for that. They do a great job. Yeah, they do a great job. It's fun to look at, and it's fun to peruse. And, of course, uh, also what's really a, a lot of fun is the uh, newsletter that you put out, the Bonsai Newsletter. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I think the whole club is very proud of that. You know, the quality on that is just incredible. The the, the printing and the, the re- series replays, have you guys considered, I mean, submitting this stuff to MMP at all? or? Well, I have had several articles uh, done by MMP uh, in their journals, and I think they still have one of mine, a scenario analysis that uh, may someday make an appearance in a future journal. Uh, so, yeah, there. I, I suppose, you know, if they wanted to contact us and use something from Banzai, chances are we would let them. Uh, I guess that would be up to the individual authors. But um, maybe, I don't know what their motivations are. Perhaps they wouldn't want to use one if it's already appeared uh, free for everybody to, to see, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly I think some of the guys who are writing for Banzai, the, the quality of the writing is certainly good enough to uh, to appeal to a wide audience. So, Absolutely it is. Now, how, how did the idea for the newsletter come about? When When did that all happen? Uh, I believe if you look at the website, the first one was something like December of 95 or 96, so it was quite a few years ago, and the club was a lot smaller then, and I was looking for just some some uh, thing to kind of hold the club together or to, or to, to make communication uh, on a regular basis uh, between the club and try to get, get players more interested and more involved. So it was sort of my idea to start a newsletter, and uh, and if you look at the early issues, they're they're pretty weak, you know, especially in terms of production quality. You know, the the content is still decent, I guess, uh, but yeah, what, I didn't. What I do is is read those on the computer because they're quicker, and some of it may not pertain to me as much. And then mm-hmm. the later issues, you know, I print them all out and I three ring bind them now, and I've I've made a binder just for your stuff there because I was so amazed. Um, yeah, we, like a journal, you know. We we turned a big corner when uh, a a guy that played in Austin named uh, Mike Austin, who was uh, a technical writer by trade, offered to help us with Bonsai, and and I think it was in the three point one issue or something that he came on, and he just turned the turned the uh, turned it up a notch, as Emerald would say, uh, really made it look fantastic. And after that, it kind of opened our eyes to what we could really do. And so since that time, I think, especially, you know, visually, uh, the issues of Bonsai have really stood out. And when you originally came up with it, it was really just, did you plan it as something just for club members? Yeah, yeah. I just mailed it to people, literally. Yeah. I would print out, there were only like eight or ten guys, you know, and I, and it was like three pages long, so I would print a bunch. It's kind of like that, you know, I was kind of thinking of those letters you get around Christmas time from a relative or something or a friend. Uh, here's what we've been doing the last year or so, you know. Right. And and it kind of felt that way to me at first. I I didn't really have a good way to, to send it to everybody electronically. Um, 
so that's how it started out. And it, exp- it, it certainly by now it must have you must have people read it from all over the world. Yeah, we don't really keep track of who's downloading it or from where or anything like that, so we don't exactly know what our readership is. But I have uh, gotten comments now and then from people around the country or or elsewhere saying, "Hey, I you know I read this issue and I really liked that article or whatever." So yeah, it's certainly available on the internet, so could be read from anywhere. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what's happened with uh, Dave and I and the two half squads. We originally planned the podcast to be something that everybody would enjoy, but I think it's down to just uh, we do it to amuse each other. We're the only ones that listen anymore. <laughs> right? I think we're down to three listeners. No, we are. Oh, we are actually a uh, uh, one thousand. Oh, well, we think we got one thousand one hundred listeners because if you look at the hits on episodes one through six, but we can't tell if people are um, double hitting on that. You know, are they right. listening twice? Well, probably not. Um, but, yeah, it's really hard to tell. I imagine you have the same problem. You, you don't know if, how often I've gone in and which issues I've downloaded and right how right. much I enjoy this unless I tell you. So. I'm, I'm sure there are ways for us to do that if we wanted to spend the time and the effort to, to program the website so that it could track that stuff. But I have no real desire to do that. It, although, you know, when you said that just now that you're doing it just for yourselves pretty much, uh, even if that's meant in fun, uh, I think that's probably something we have in common because if we just did our newsletter or whatever uh, in order to please other people or to hear people say congratulations or, you know, I really like that issue, we probably wouldn't do it. I mainly do bonsai. My motivation is because I just really enjoy it. And I think that's what other guys uh, that get involved in it do it for as well. So it's kind of icing on the cake if somebody says I really enjoyed that article or that issue. Uh, but the thing that really keeps us going is the fact that we just like doing it. Yeah, and you've kept it going for a long time, which is a, a tribute to your to your dedication to fun. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, and it's a um, well, and fun. You have the the April Fools issues or the comedy issues. Yeah. And um, can we get permission to read some of that on the air once in a while? Oh, absolutely. Because you know, absolutely. Je- Jeff did an original. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He did a, a ten reasons you should play ASL. And I've been on him for forever to repeat that kind of uh, humorous uh, feat. And and I was looking at your issue. I'm like, we should just steal some of this stuff and read it on the air. <laughs> just as long as you attribute it to whoever the author is or the bonsai. Okay, we will. Okay. Yeah, I think that would yeah, be a neat tie-in, you know, um, yeah. from those comedy issues. But it's, uh, We got some guys in our club who are just absolutely hilarious. And when we have our, uh, our club meetings uh, or our club lunches, typically... We get a lot of good ideas for for funny uh, articles there. Just just for some reason, just shooting the breeze at lunch every other week or something, uh, that tends to bring ideas to the forefront when we're joking around. Yeah, it's a very good way to do it. Are there any other clubs that you know of that produce this sort of newsletter? I know there's View from the Trenches. Right, there's that uh, from Britain. And I I think, uh, I haven't really kept up with it, but I think maybe the Southern California guys might do something. I know they have an extensive website, and uh, they're they're a very uh, a very good group. I've been impressed by their website before. And a few years ago, I got contacted by some guys with the DC conscripts, and I guess that's Washington D.C. And uh, I know they produced a few newsletters, but I haven't tracked that either, so I don't know if they're still doing it. And I th- and well, and there's that guy in England. He's got that view from the trenches. Yeah, that's a fantastic newsletter. You you have to stop playing on your computer. Oh, Dave. I missed that. Oops. 
<laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the Texas He's, site right yeah. now, so that's why I was <laughs> distracted. I There's this thing about a hat being passed around, and oh, I'm reading this, yeah. and I, so I am getting distracted. Um, well, the PAASL, the Palatine Area Advanced Squad Leaders, you've probably heard of my club. Um, I put out a newsletter. It was simply the um, write-up of the games, who played who, how it went, basically anything odd that happened, and then a, a standings, and it seems that's how you've started. I can right. tell you, there's no way I'm going to attempt to do what you're doing. That's just amazing. Well, you know, if if you don't want to do one for your for yourself and do a whole newsletter, if you ever just wanted to write an article, you could send it to us. Well, be a good guest idea. writer. Actually, Jeff, you're the writer. Jeff might be able to do that. I just can't play squad leader. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have much to say. Teach anyone about it, Jeff. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you're you could be a cautionary tale for others. Yeah, here's what I did yeah. wrong. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, so you you buy all the squad leader? Do you buy everything when it when it comes out? When MMP? You no, know, I used to do that uh, when I first got into the game. I just had a voracious appetite for squad leader, and i I couldn't uh, I couldn't just pass up anything, you know. But those were also the days when there was a lot less available. There weren't that many TPPs. Nowadays, there's just so much stuff out there. It seemed like every other time I check uh, the ASL forums on Game Squad or something, somebody's announcing a new product, and I just literally I can't afford it, or I'll never get to play all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be that collector guy who's having it just for sake of having it. So now I try to be a lot more selective. I certainly get every official thing uh, that comes out of MMP, and then I just have a few other favorites that I pick up. Uh, if Chaz Smith and his group are doing something, I'm going to pick it up. Because I've been involved with them, and uh, and I'm just very partial to their things. I think they do an excellent job, and they've just released Cobra and and uh, Beyond the Beachhead 2, which look fantastic. Uh, and I I really like the Schwerpunkt stuff and uh, a couple other TPPs. Um, I think it's what's it called? Friendly Fire Packs from Europe somewhere. Yes. I've, I've yeah, enjoyed those. They had sent so us some of those to review on the show, so we had, we had reviewed those. Yeah, they've had some good scenarios. I've enjoyed playing and. It's just hard to really collect every single last thing now. So I think I've gotten to the point where I say, well, I can't collect everything, but I want to stay up to date on all the Schwerpunkt and all the Bounding Fire stuff or something like that, you know. So that's what I do. Do you think that the um, proliferation of these TPP, these third-party products, for those people that uh, don't know what TPP means, uh, creates a problem for MMP? Is it a problem for, for the game? To have all of this? Is there too much stuff out there? Well, you know, I think you could say in a way there's too much stuff, but it's a great problem to have, and it's far better than the, the other problem, which is not enough stuff. Um, it's There are pros and cons to it. If I had to choose, I'd rather have more than enough uh, to choose from. The disadvantage is that there seems to be a little bit less of a sense of community because everybody's playing something different. So a lot of times you want to talk about this really cool scenario you played and you can go online and hardly anybody else has played it, you know, unless it's official. Yes. It's from some third-party product. Even even the more famous third parties like Schwerpunk, which is probably one of the best known, mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, you look at the number of playings on, on Roar or something and, and even for some of their better scenarios, it's not really necessarily a huge amount like you might expect because there are just thousands and thousands of scenarios uh, it, it gives us a little bit less commonality, maybe, to talk about. But other than that, I think it's all just a good thing. I, I love looking through scenarios. Do you um, do you think that it's a problem 
that MMP cannot provide and, and doesn't have a steady flow of their core products in print? You think it hurts uh, the hobby? You mean uh, re-releases of yeah, keeping stuff, things in print? Yeah, things like, you know, West of Alamein and Kota Bushido. Because if you don't have Kota Bushido, you really you can't play the Japanese. You can't play any Japanese scenarios or any anything that comes after it. Right. It. I don't think we really can have enough... Uh, there. I don't know if anybody's collecting enough data on that to really know how much of a problem it is, if it is a problem. Huh. Uh, so I guess I'm just going to have to cop out and say I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends on... Most of the evidence is anecdotal, right? Somebody will say, hey, you know, I know this guy who can't play PTO because he can't get Kota Bushido. But, you know, do we really have any data to base that on? I don't know. Maybe MMP does. Yeah, and, and, and certainly they're going to be getting this stuff out quicker now. It's from when we t- interviewed um, Keith Keith Dalton. Yeah, um, It's a big process, but I think it is going to appear quicker. And, and they've been better at getting stuff out um, more often. Because, of course, you remember the days, right, with Avalon Hill. It was yeah, long oh, between yeah. games, really long. And I was just like you, you know, I need more of this stuff. Where can I get more right. of this stuff from? But Do you... Uh, do you ever play uh, any big campaign games, Matt? I have uh, played a few in the past and never really saw them through all the way to the conclusion in the sense of playing every game. Uh, I've had a, maybe two or th- three times playing RBCG3, which is sort of the uh, the holy grail of all campaigns, I guess. If you really want to play a campaign game, that's the one to do. But usually they've ended uh, after you know anywhere from five or six to ten days or so because one player or the other is just exhausted, you know, or his troop <laughs> or his troops are just getting killed and so, you know, it becomes obvious that one guy, you know, thinks he can't win and uh, and gives up. I did have sort of an abortive attempt at playing um, KGP one, I think, way back in the day, but we only got through a day or so of that one. So I actually haven't played campaigns as much as I would like. Do you have players in the group that do? Like they have it set up in their basement for months and months and months we had a we we read a a listener mail from somebody uh, on the last show who had played uh blood reef tarawa and mm-hmm. and when i read it i thought he i thought he had written it it took them 78 months but he, but <laughs> well he had written seven to eight months and i thought 78 months sounds about right really has it even been out that long <laughs> maybe not <laughs> yeah yeah, actually, we had a couple guys play Blood Reef Tarawa, I think. Um, I think Jeff Tarecki played that against, uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Roy Casagrande or or uh, Matt Schwobel. And uh, they seem to have a really good time time with it, but I actually never saw it set up uh, that I can recall. Oh. Uh, and we've definitely had some people play campaigns. I think uh, if you were on our email list, you'd, you'd see people making some comments about them. I'm pretty sure some Houston guys played the one that's set in Guadalcanal and had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Operation so, Watchtower. Yeah. yeah. So there have definitely been some people who have played campaigns, but it's it's obviously not as commonly played as just a regular scenario. Yeah. And uh, when you get, when a new product comes out, like from MMP or something, or when a new action pack comes out, does your does your wife call you and say, it's here, it's arrived in the mail, and then you leave work early? <laughs> <laughs> and go home and no i'm afraid not no oh used to be that exciting though well, yeah well 
Yeah, it is still exciting to unwrap the package and see all the cool goodies that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm still uh, you know checking out the uh, the new Bounding Fire products that I just picked up Friday at Club Lunch, uh, hand delivered to me by Sam Tyson. Oh. And it, it's very cool to look through all that stuff. But but no, uh, my wife doesn't call me that uh, that something's arrived in the mail. <laughs> my wife does. Does she really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you here. work from home. It's here. Jeff works from home. Well, not all the time. I'm sometimes on the road. If I'm traveling, she'll call me, which is kind of nice. So it's still yeah. very, it's still very exciting. I love the game. Uh, what's your favorite? Well, are are you um, a World War II history buff? Yes, I think I am, uh, and more generally, just a history buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it started with World War II. Now, what's do you have a favorite topic? Well, you know. Lately, uh, over the last couple of years, I guess, I've realized that I actually don't really like reading about World War II so much anymore. And I guess it's just because I've read so much about it hmm. that reading another book on something, even if I'm sort of interested in that topic, it, it feels like such a rehash. So instead, I've found myself uh, using World War II uh, as a frame of reference to start delving backwards in history and learning about other eras. So... You know, when you read about World War II, oftentimes you'll hear certain names or certain events from the preceding era, like World War I, uh, just to set the stage. And so then when you go back and read World War I, those things are a little bit familiar, but then they'll reference things that come earlier, like the Russo-Japanese War or the Boer War or something. Mm-hmm. So then you go read that, and I've, or you know, even the Frank, uh, Franco-Prussian War. So I've found myself being more interested in those eras just to try to, uh, f- try to flesh out that historical knowledge. Uh, one of the the next book I actually have it sitting on my uh, end table right now uh, to pick up is on the Austro-Prussian-Italian War of 1866. Oh, you got me on that one. Uh, yeah. There's probably several games out there covering that period. <laughs> there probably is one at least. <laughs> if you subscribe to the Consim World Newsletter, they are constantly coming out with so many games on so mm-hmm. many topics. It's amazing. Uh, what about in Squad Leader? Do you have a particular uh, favorite theater of operation or types of play? I think I think I definitely have a type of scenario that I like best. I like to play sort of the major combatants, like uh, the Germans and Russians, or the Germans against the Americans and British. And I like uh, scenarios that are combined arms, usually sort of later in the war, forty-two through forty-four or so. And uh, I think I really like those scenarios where. Uh, there's kind of uh, oftentimes the the terrain is semi-open. You know, I guess there aren't that many ASL boards where the terrain is really wide open unless you're choosing the desert boards or something. But, you know, where it's not urban, maybe there's a village or something, so there's there are opportunities to hide your armor and stuff like that and, and covered approaches and things, but there are also room for maneuver. And I really tend to like those scenarios. So, you know, the classic, you know, board 3 or board 24 or something like that with a couple of uh, countryside boards nearby those kind of fights uh, I find to be very fun because there's a lot of room for maneuver and being combined arms there are a lot of tools in your toolbox to try to to try to uh, come up with a solution and if you come upon are there scenarios you like to play over and over or if you come upon a scenario that you like, oh, yeah. will you play it several times in a row absolutely if I like a scenario I'm very happy to play it again because at least I know that I'm I feel like I'm sort of guaranteed a good time if I've already had a good time with that scenario mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I, I think players may be missing out a little bit if they say oh, I'll never play a scenario twice 
because they might miss a chance to do something a little bit different or or maybe see if their idea really wasn't so bad last time they just had bad luck you know right um, so there there are some I've played multiple times because they're really good ones yeah, I find it's hard to get the time. I, I always kind of try and pushing, pushing on to do the, to do them all. I'm kind of obsessive, I guess, with that. But um, yeah, at some point I realize I can't play them all. I should just stop and then redo those ones that are great. You know? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, it's certainly been a pleasure talking to you guys, and just let me know when it comes on. Yeah, we're very happy to have uh, finally met you, and really enjoy the the effort that you put into bonsai when you see the rest of the guys that are that participate in that please give them a big kiss from us <laughs> yeah that's a tremendous again it, okay. i am really amazed that you yeah. guys put that out I, I i just can't believe it you know it should be packaged up and sold but it's great to get that for free so thank you all right well i'll tell them you said that and i hope you guys will consider coming down to our tournament and doing a live podcast from the tournament sometime yeah we should try <laughs> we really should yeah did you did you see any of our video feed from the asl open i did not see video feed yeah right? you can see that i'll on, have to check uh, that out yeah you i saw see, some pictures right there's a video feed if you look at uh on the two half squads website and go down about three i can't remember what episode it's three episodes ago yeah, about or something three episodes ago you'll see something there well we'd like to do that thanks very much for the invitation we'd like to have some nice uh some texas barbecue when we come down oh yeah that could be arranged <laughs> yeah no me very easily <laughs> all right well thanks right. again thanks a lot matt thank you guys appreciate it nice talking to you bye-bye you too take care bye all right. Well, that was a great interview with Matt. I'd like to meet him sometime. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Hey, that Jeff, what you drinking there? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked that, Dave. I am drinking uh, from America's Brewing Company. Oh, wait a minute. America's Brewing Company. It's a home brew. Oh, yeah, bottled in America. Um, this is the Walter Payton Pilsner. The WPP, Walter Payton Pilsner. 12 fluid ounces of delicious Walter Payton. Are you drinking the same thing? Yes, I oh, am. Good, I'll good have for another. you. Thank you. So this this is a fine. Where'd you get this? The great Walter Payton. Oh, he Chicago brought it. Chicago Bear, up. man. Yeah. I found this in our local shop. And uh, yeah, it's it's local, Aurora, Illinois. Never been to this uh, brewing company, but it's like a restaurant, oh, you know. The you know what? Payton. I have been there. You have? Yeah, <laughs> I have. It's at the Roundhouse, which which is a fabulous restaurant it's actually an old uh train roundhouse that was converted into this restaurant with this big outdoor patio and then they have uh they brew their own beer i'd totally forgotten oh okay you're it right it does say the roundhouse yeah. on the side great food and great fun next time you're in aurora stop at the roundhouse even if you're not in aurora it's a destination it's fun to go there and it's very good beer but let's talk about squad leader shall we we shall I, I can't believe I was I was kind of taken aback here when, we, when we're, we're going to pick up on our advanced sequence of play, a series that we're doing on advanced sequence of play, and we're all the way up to number two, <laughs> the prep fire phase. Well, they had. I can't a, believe we haven't. They had a pregame phase. Yeah, we, we had a pregame. Sucked up a, a part, but yeah, yeah, hard to believe. Rally phase that took a while too. That that little segment took us a while. So, okay, remember the, the ASAP is the official sequence of play, or no, yeah. the advanced, or everything has to go in order. 
and you're not allowed to go out of order. And some players will stick to this. Most will not. Yeah. But we think it's good to, for everybody to hear this and to think about it. And But don't sweat it. And, right. Don't sweat yeah. it. But it is fascinating. I mean, and they put this stuff in order for a very good reason. So I'm going to read through it, and Dave is going to add, add a color and comedic commentary. <laughs> put you on the spot. You sure did. Prep fire phase. And they start right. right off the bat. Let me guess. Shoot your weapons that aren't going to move. Oh, yeah. That's it. Okay. And uh, Well, that wraps up this episode. <laughs> That's the prep fire phase. That was it. We're done. All right, folks. And uh, right at the top, at the end of the words prep fire phase, there's a little reminder there that uh, sniper attacks and checks are possible during this phase. Okay. So keep that in mind, people. So... Uh, 2.1, start a prep fire phase. Remove his dispersed smoke, checking for napalm terrain blaze weapon destruction. You with me there, Dave? <laughs> what if it's a woman you're playing? Well, I know. I saw that. Remove his dispersed smoke. And there are women out there, we know. I'd rather remove her dispersed smoke. Hey, fresh. <laughs> okay, so dispersed smoke. So one of the first thing you do in prep fire phase, check for smoke and remove dispersed smoke. Why can't you flip the white smoke over to the dispersed side? Well, that's what you do next. Okay, so first remove the so dispersed. So first remove dispersed smoke. That's the large 5 8 inch counters usually fired from uh, mortar, gun, artillery pieces. OBA. OBA. Yeah. Jinx. Uh, and checking for napalm terrain blaze weapon destruction. Napalm is, uh, you know, napalm. You yeah. can use that in the Pacific if you're the American. There may be some other rare case of it. Checking for weapon. Dis- Does napalm go off then or well, something? Well, my guess, my, listen to this. People tune into us because we're the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go like this. I'm guessing that, that as you're removing, I guess if you remove dispersed smoke that was created by napalm or terrain blaze, you need to check for weapon if weapon destruction is happening at that point. Well, certainly if there was a blaze, yeah. uh, the weapons could be destroyed. Yeah. This refers uh, to Rule um, G seventeen point forty one, which and Dave, you remember that right off the top of your head, don't you? I do. You should see the d- top of Dave's head. Wait, what was the rule again? Uh, it's G seventeen point forty one. Now he sits back, the, his eyes roll back into his head mm. as he's calling it to the front of his memory, so. from way back in his mind, in the deep oh. dark recesses. Think, Dave. Think. He's going into yes, a trance. Yes, this is. I think the one that refers that the British fighter bombers may use napalm as if they were U.S. But availability versus the Japanese is limited to 1945, and versus Germans is limited to Italy in, wow, 44 and, or April and May of 45, the last two months of the war. Only U.S., British, and GMD Chinese fighter bombers may use napalm. So I take it back about just the Americans using napalm. So I take it you've never... uh... Have you played with napalm? I mean, in squad leader? I know you play with it at home. <laughs> with my kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I play all the games in order, Jeff. Yeah. And it, Well, you kind of. I play yeah, pretty every much. game when I get it. So I played all of Gung Ho, and it was in there somewhere. There was napalm. Oh, wow. I remember it. I got to look for that. 
But that didn't quite answer our question, but let's go on. Well, if we, um, if we make a big enough fuss about unimportant stuff, people will forget that we haven't answered the question. Right. That's Maybe we I'm want to add napalm into our fire episode. That's oh, that's a great idea. I, by the way, I have some questions for you about Molotov uh, cocktails because I've been doing my research for our upcoming episode. I'm amazed you've yeah. actually been doing your yeah. research ahead of time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So once you have, uh, getting back to our ASOP, once you have removed your dispersed smoke, then you flip smoke counters to the d- dispersed side. Yeah. The white ones to the dispersed side. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, because they last two full turns. Go ahead. Then uh, leaders, multi-man counters, crew-exposed armor-fighting vehicles may attempt to fire star shells. Star shells. Okay, you're going to light up the sky. So you clear the smoke so you can light up the sky. Right. Isn't that a so- is not that a song by uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? I think so. We are star shells. No. Um. Yeah, I didn't think so. And then check for vehicle dust removal. If you're okay, if you're in the desert, the vehicles that stopped, the dust, I guess, would have stayed then through the advancing fire. Yes. Close combat phase. Right. Could make a difference, could it? Maybe it could. I suppose. And then you pull that off at the. And it would make a difference for your routing, too, I suppose. Yeah. If you're routing, uh, you know, behind some some smoke or something so it's not considered you're not considered then an open ground well there's different rules for lv versus really yeah the low visibility things yeah i can't pull it out of my head i don't know okay so let me let me ask open ground or not but they don't don't count for so if there is smoke between between you and an enemy counter can you route through that not th- maybe not through the smoke, but around behind the smoke, because you're not in. You're not inside of the enemy. It's not open ground, right? Yes. Uh, smoke so is be the not same. open ground, but an LV hindrance like. So vehicle, so vehicle dust is. An LV hindrance. I see. Low visibility. It's not. It's different than smoke. Right. Okay. All right, so let's let's clarify. So no, the 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 low it's different in that the LV low visibility dial modifier for night, maybe for mist, for the desert dust, does not cancel interdiction. It does not. Okay. It does not, or open ground. It okay. still is open ground. Hmm. All right. Moving along. Uh, in the prep fire phase two point twelve a. May f- at this point, you may fire ordnance, smoke, mortars. IR is stands for illuminating rounds at night. Illuminating rounds, big yep. ones go up and light up the sky. So you so, let me go back and uh, let me read that correctly. Yep. May fire ordnance, smoke, um, okay, mortars. Let's see. I, I guess they're talking about firing smoke. Yes, and you do have to fire it first. And again, we mentioned... So ordnance smoke, mortar smoke, or IR? Yep, or illuminating rounds. Yeah, okay. So you clear your smoke. So you can what? <laughs> yeah, so you clear the smoke first, then you can fire your smoke. Yeah. Or illuminating rounds. So you don't confuse your smoke. Yeah. Okay. And uh, But first, if you are going to, you have to designate a spotter. If you have one. 
that you're going to be using. Okay, so, so I've got a mortar. It's going to fire smoke. I can't yep. prep any of my riflemen. I need to first designate that spotter and then fire that smoke, and then I can proceed. Right. And then uh, right away, resolve any ensuing white phosphorus normal morale checks. So if you right, fired white phosphorus, it would immediately, they take those. Yep, okay. Have to, uh, have to take those rail checks. May fire uh, Molotov projectors. Okay, at that I point. didn't know that. Yep. Uh, and then check for ensuing flames. All right. Interesting. And you place prep fire or gun flash counters as required. Yes. Okay. So you're looking at me with a pensive, I'm just wondering why, pensive what is hands, very handsome <laughs> thinker's sort of pensive look. A thinking man. Yes, you as a thinking man. Why does the Molotov projector have to go now? And not just with the rest of the troops firing the infantry. I have to continue. Uh, well, let's think for a second. So I have to think about that because I, I suppose they put it here because... Um, Maybe because it can start a fire. Maybe, and then that would affect other things that would happen later on and during the prep, the prep fire maybe. phase. Yeah. Uh, may attempt radio contact, if necessary. If successful, uh, may attempt battery access. Okay, right through the, um, the OBA stuff mm -hmm. then? Yep. Uh, but you must... If it's FFE, then you must attempt the battery access. Does that make sense? Yes, because that's a fire for effect continuation. Right. FFE2 or FFEC? FFEC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, if it's an FFEC, then you're done, and you have to check to see if you can get more shots from your OBA. That's what it is. I think we've we've got to put one of these shows on the schedule on OBA. Yeah. Someone. Oh, that's the other letter we got. That someone is going to be OBA, right? I would listen to that one. Yeah. We'll follow through the flow chart. <laughs> I won't listen to any of these others, but I would listen to that one over and over. There are still a few things I I always look up. I always use the chart for, but we'll get into that on that show. Yeah. Maybe we get uh, like Bob Holmstrom and or Rich Spilkey and, and yeah, Rich Spilkey. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Okay. Uh, okay. Good. If successful, may place AR and either SR or pre-reg. Pre-registered hex, artillery requests, or spotting rounds. So you roll for your radio, you see if you have access, and then you place where you want it to blow up. That all goes right in a row. Yeah. Uh, please refer to our episode all about OBA for further details. Uh, or must place AR and FFE. Fire for effect if you already have one going, okay. Or remove or replace FFEC. Yeah, that's if you, when you do a o OBA, you get a, you get a battery access, you get an, a fire for effect one and two, and then that's it. So if you finished your second shot, you mark it with a C, continuation, and that has to then come off because you're done firing that round. A round is two firings, yeah. Yeah. So do you do you find OBA complicated? Not as bad. Not Oh, I used to avoid it. Really? Yeah, but now no, especially with the flow chart. Yeah. Yeah. You're fearless. With, with the flow chart. Yeah. Well, that's good. Or we I should play it wrong. Do myself. that and line up a few uh, scenarios where we have some OBA going. Yeah, be, maybe maybe do that for an extra. Yeah. 
or a newbie. Oh yeah, do, great idea, great idea. Yeah, for or a newbie do, but that wouldn't be a newbie do. There's no OBA. No, that'd be an old advanced. Well, why can't done. you do advanced newbie do's? Um, yeah, we could. Yeah. Um, okay, may correct, convert, or cancel SR or FFE. Spotting rounds also. Yeah. It's going right through the normal sequence. But if you're using creeping barrage, then you must correct. Uh, if you're using the creeping barrage, FFE, then you must correct convert or cancel. So there's a difference between the may and the must. you got to read these really yeah. carefully. And a creeping barrage is when you're going to have your OBA spread out more in rows and f move along the board ahead of advancing troops, typically. And the... <laughs> But there's an exclusion. Oh, no. For uh, rocket correction is N-A. Oh, yes. Rocket OBA is wild and crazy. You cannot correct it. It's oh, really? The ones like the Katyusha. You know those wow. rockets? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a cat. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Meow. Yeah, I got it. That's good. Oh, they got it. Too. Yeah. I don't know if anybody heard that. Uh, may place OBA smoke. And result. Oh, correct, because now notice the other smoke was placed by your ordnance first, your cannons and your artillery pieces, yeah. your tanks. Then you have to start your whole process for OBA. And if you want to, you may then place your OBA smoke. Okay. Resolve any ensuing uh, white phosphorus normal morale checks. From that OBA, yeah. white phosphorus smoke. And checking for ensuing flames. Yes, it might cause a fire. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, now, that's good to glance at so you don't forget that you might be able to get a fire going when you're using that stuff. Yeah. Have you ever uh, um, had fire actually have any effect on a game like a gust of wind or something, it's a fire spreading and it's well, really no, no, changing. Actually, gust of wind, I was out playing outside in the park with Dave T, and a wind came along and blew all our counters off the board. Now, my experience with fire, I was playing once in college, and some people <laughs> ran through and yelled, fire, fire, and we all ran away, but there really was no fire. So we came back and finished our game. Are you okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, there was really no fire. All right. It was a little jokester. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it affected your brain. Um, and yes, I have had those effect games. After oh, okay. 1,000 games, you two yeah, have, you you have, have seen it all. You have seen it all. You have that wind change, shift that smoke right off of your enemy as he's getting ready to prep, and you'll be quite mad about it. Yeah. I notice how sitting at the campfire, it's always blowing in my face. Doesn't it? No matter and where you I move sit. to the other side. Yeah, and it blows yeah. in my face. You know, we just got off the 4th of July, if I may just do a quick tangent, but... The danger is inherent in the 4th of July, and it's not just the fireworks. I think the parade is dangerous. The motorcycle, it starts with the cops coming on the two motorcycles, yeah. and, they, and they drive in circles Yeah. on these huge bikes, and they're coming within inches of these little kids. Yeah. And I don't know, what if uh, they accidentally hit the gas or something? And then you've got all these big vehicles and cars, and the drivers are looking at the side waving. They're not always looking ahead. Then you get those bands with the huge... Um, twirling batons and, and those guns they're flipping these heavy oh the weapons. guns yeah flipping the guns do they never drop those i, I mean, don't know when spinning out of control and hit yeah. my kids in the audience I, i'm a i'm very they call me safety dad i'm very yeah. aware of uh the dangers of this not that i've seen any of those things happen but i think it's just rather 
a da- the whole parade, the whole dangerous thing. Thanks for letting me. Well, I think it. somebody should hand out those uh, clear plastic shields. And everybody could hold one of those. That I would like that much yeah. better. Much better. Then there's safety. Um, <laughs> this digression has thrown me for a loop. Sorry. Oh, then resolve any um, high explosive FFE. Yeah. Checking for shell hole. Sure. Flame. Mm-hmm. Rubble creation. Rubble creation. Yeah. Which is how Bam Bam came into the world. Bam Bam. Yeah. <laughs> rubble, rubble creation. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, and then from that, also look for wire, roadblock, or pillbox removal. Right. So all these explosions from your OBA, you have that whole list to check through. You know, again, I think it would be good to glance at this chart while you're playing. You're yeah. waiting for your opponent to do something. Why not glance at this chart, yeah. especially if you've got OBA, and it'll remind you real quickly in a row all the things you want to look for. Yeah. And it might it might even affect how you play. Oh yeah, you know. Wire removal. Maybe I'll I'll throw my OBA over here instead. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Not even so much uh, so you can get everything in order, but just so you can remember to try everything. Yeah, everything that's possible for you to do. Um, and then minefield, Pangee removal mm-hmm. or reduction, and the Sangar trip flare elimination. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sangar, Sangar, trip flares. I have trip played flares. with Sangars and trip flares. I didn't realize they were connected. They're not always so. Well, they they're not connected. Oh, Sangar other, other elimination or trip yeah, flare elimination. Other okay. than your high explosive okay. FFE might might cause your trip flares yes. to trip. I guess. Yes. And the Sangar. What's a Sangar? I don't know what a Sangar. Yes, is. you've played some desert games. I it's, did. Yeah, um, but uh, hastily built defense pile of rocks or local rocks and stuff and dug in slightly to the earth because it was harder to dig in foxholes it's a hastily prepared defense kind of like a foxhole but you can run it over oh, with a okay. tank and crush it and it's gone ah. yeah it's, i okay. think it's just piled up rocks they would do it in the desert a lot okay uh check for check for column disbandment what would that be oh is that go with the oba thing well, it's uh, we're in the same area, but it's a separate sentence. Check for column disbandment. When you're using the column rules from Chapter E, they came out with Paratrooper. You, the column has to stay in order, marching along uh, together, like oh, a it's a marching and, column. Okay. Yeah, and it can only disband at certain times. Getting shot at would be one. So probably that's the first time they can disband is maybe taking fire from OBA or or that stuff. Okay, and reverse slopes. Okay. Backsides of hills effects from OBA. How does that affect them? For the marching column? Well, no, it doesn't say. It says check for column disbandment, uh, disbandment and reverse slopes. I do not know. Think, Dave. Um. Oh, yeah, naval OBA, otherwise known as NOBA, because we're still in that naval OBA section. They have a deal going where the blast radius adds a hex behind your normal set of hexes. You know how the normal sets a circle pattern? Right. One hex and those around it. Well, when you have naval OBA, it can affect a hex behind your line of fire into that area. 
and a hex in front of it because it stretches out a little bit. Oh, so that's, that's right. Slope, I remember can, Joe doing that now as we were play, playing Tarawa. Yeah, so we actually can hit yeah. someone behind the hill but was using that. Okay, okay, okay. That's the start of, uh, that wraps up starter prep fire. Now we move into during the prep fire okay, phase. Okay, now shoot, shoot your rifles. Shoot your guns. Get your guns out is, and shoot them. Is that the first one? Uh, no. Oh, come on. Uh, infantry multi-man counters may become TI and mop up or attempt to entrench. Huh, I thought you did that in a rally. But yeah, there's stuff that happens in the prep. Yeah. I always have to look it up. Now, when do I do this? Yeah. Task involved, TI, you start an, an effort. Okay, that's you're not going to shoot. So you would say, okay, these guys are not firing. They're going to dig trenches. Okay. So they'll dig trenches, they'll mop up, Yep. and you check for casualties then as they're mopping up. Because, yeah, mopping up is searching a building, Yeah. and if you find a hidden unit, you may take casualties. So is there movement involved in mop up? No. Okay. Your unit stays still, and you put a TI counter on them, task involved. And they check that hex that they're in. And They search that the, hex They can actually in, get like. the whole building, too. There's different rules for that. Okay. Um you, then you place a labor counter if unsuccessful. On digging a trench, but not on a searching. Okay. Yep. Uh, infantry, how, how can you be unsuccessful digging a trench? It's your spade breaks. Oh, okay. Hard ground. Um, infantry may make kindling attempts. To start a fire. Yep. And... Um, Single-man counters must bring marshmallows. That's required? Must or may? Must bring the marshmallows if a kindling attempt is successful. Okay, only if so it's the, successful. Yeah. So the uh, leaders must always provide marshmallows. Okay. And I would guess, it doesn't say, but probably Hershey bars and uh, and graham crackers as well. Unless they're assigned to the crews and half squads or something. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Is that inherent? They have to roll to have them? <laughs> I think it is. Multi-man counter requires a leader who passes a normal task check um, for that kindling attempt. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And place a prep fire founder on each unit involved. So even though they haven't fired, they're considered to have fired when they do that, when they light a kindling. Yes, a as well as that searching and entrenching. Yes, right. TI, yeah. can't do anything else. Okay. Next, may, des- may designate spotters for mortars right. that had no original spotter. Okay, so my mortar, I, I say, okay, I'm going to fire this mortar. Uh, he's going to be the spotter now. Yeah. Spotter's a guy in a hex next to it that can direct its fire. You you check line of sight from that hex, right. not the actual mortar. Unless you're in a tower. Then it, it can, can be up, be to, up, three up hexes. to three hexes above, right? Yeah, which yeah. is so cool. Um, may fire non-aerial non-TI, good order units, manned and functioning weapons. That's the one I was looking for, wasn't it? Yeah. Can fire so units now you and can weapons. Fire. Okay. Finally, after all that, you get to fire. Shoot your men. Shoot your men. Uh, and then it has embraces here. Here, we're right at this part. It says, um, let me just go back. May fire non-aerial, non-TI, good order units, manned and functioning weapons. And then embraces heavy AA fire. 
can also fire now because in, when an airplane, it's for the it came out again in Chapter E with ah, the paratrooper. Okay, airplanes can only be shot at when they're moving with your light AA, like your heavy machine guns. You shoot at the plane as it goes overhead during mm-hmm. when, whenever the plane flies. But the heavy AA is the only weapon, and that's a weapon without an IFE equivalency. You know, and like on a uh, AA gun, it'll have parentheses uh, six yes. or an eight, and you shoot right. that at infantry. If it doesn't have one of those in parentheses, it's heavy AA, and it can fire at a plane. It's not even flying, doing a flyby attack. So during the prep fire, it can just see a plane really far away and just shoot at it during prep. Okay. And then when the plane zooms in for close attacks toward the ground, you use your light AA fire, but that happens during your defensive final or... During your enemy, during your movement fires, yeah, you move the enemy planes flying, but the planes will be another episode also. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then you uh, place prep fire or gun flash counters as required from Both the AA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, from all of that, from all oh, right, firing, right, right. and uh, both sides resolve attacks. Okay, of course. Infantry ca- or cavalry may declare opportunity fire at this point. Oh. Which makes sense. Opportunity so whoever fire. hasn't fired yet, you can mark them with an op fire. Yes. And they're not. then that only allows them to fire in the advancing fire phase at full instead of at half. Right. And you place bounding fire counters at that time. Yes. You want a really good tactic to throw in there that yeah, I, I remember like. reading in a annual game replay that had a game I had played once or twice and the enemy's all concealed against you and I was always prepping with everything trying to break those concealed guys and and using half my firepower and then not being able to move and then I read that replay whoever the player was put op fire on his big fire groups and then sent like three or four half squads across the street to make the enemy fire at him or to make him lose concealment oh okay so then an op fire, he could fire at full fire effect. Brilliant. That's a good way to do it. Uh, then a leader or multi-man counter crew exposed AFE. If a, um, if a star shell or IR has been fired in no previous player turn, may attempt to fire star shell. So a leader or a multi-man counter crew exposed AFE if a bounding fire counter... Sorry... <laughs> if a star shell IR has been fired in no previous player turn, may attempt to fire star shell. Oh, right, because under the... Yeah, that was throwing me for a minute. Why wouldn't you have done that earlier when the other opportunities happened? But if none has been fired yet, no light in the sky in a night game? Right. During the that phase, if someone has then shot at you, you you're able to go ahead and try for an illuminating round. Okay. But only after oh, oh, you've no, made your other at, fires, right? Yeah, well, they don't even have to shoot at you. You can just try and light up the sky yeah. randomly. Okay, I'm just going to, you know, there's certain conditions that are met. But once those are met, you're free then in the prep fire to fire one to see what's out there. In the okay. Night. And I assume you can do that before you make your other prep fire. I you don't know. You can light up the sky first because these are all together under um, 2.22a. Okay. So they're not really listed in any specific order. No. They're all together there. I assume you, those are interchangeable now. Yes, I would. So yeah. you can fire your star shells first, then fire your, your prep. other prep fire. Okay. 
uh, may destroy, malfunction, dismantle, or reassemble uh, support weapons or guns. Oh, right, because instead of firing your infantry, your IFT, infantry fire table, mm-hmm. and your rifles, you can use that time to, instead of firing that light machine gun, assemble it, disassemble it, destroy it. Right. Right. May uh, limber or unlimber gun. Oh, next, now, uh, 2.23a. May limber or unlimber guns. Prep fire? Yep. Instead of firing them, I guess. Yeah. Okay, getting ready to move. Okay. And then uh, it and the crew become TI if unlimbering. So that's like a TI action. Yeah. All right, I'd rather have that with the other TI actions. Yeah. But... So that doesn't happen first. That happens after all the other, all the other fire. And then... This will get us to the end of the prep fire phase. It was so brief. Ooh, end of. Uh, End of prep fire. Um, May change the covered arc of guns, presently able to fire without using intensive fire. And I so forget that. (laughs) That is so basic. You know the enemy's coming from the left. Yeah. You know you have a hidden gun, or not even hidden, you have a gun there waiting. I always forget to turn the covered arc in a prep fire phase before they get to me. You know, two turns away. I don't yeah. know why that is. Yeah. But you turn it now, and then a turn later, you're ready to fire in the defense. Yeah, and you don't have to take just... those penalties for turning. Yeah. Uh, may designate or cancel AA mode of weapons that With... can or do thusly change covered arc. Yeah, you can shift your weapon from firing up to the sky as an anti-aircraft, like a light machine gun, medium machine gun, firing up at the sky. Last turn, they did that. This turn, they can now, in prep, they're able to switch mode back to ground and fire at the ground targets. Okay. Otherwise, once you fire in the air at a plane, you're not allowed to shoot at infantry that run at you. Yeah, right. And that's it. That's that easy. was the end of the prep fire phase. That's it. Yep. Okay. So uh, when we do the movement phase now next, that's going to be quite a bit longer. That's a full page. Mm. We might have to dedicate us a whole week. Of episodes for that. <laughs> we, might, we might want to break it into two. If it's, yeah, we might. Sounds like it might be boring, but we hope not. It, no, no. Stuff to Are think you kidding about. me? Yeah. It's talking ASL. It's That's reminding right. you what to do. That's right. Well, that was good. Um, we want to talk about the uh, the next show we're going to do is going to be a little special. We're going to have a uh, live call-in. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully the technology will work. Well, So this is how it's going to work. We're doing the broadcast, uh, that is, we're going to be recording at my house on July 27th, which is a Monday. And Joe will be there. We've got a a topic planned for the show. And during the time that we're recording, we're going to start at 7 o'clock, and we usually record for a couple of hours with breaks and stuff. But while we're recording, we will also be online on um, TalkShoe.com. That's T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E.com. You can go to TalkShoe.com, and you don't have to register if you don't want to. You can just be there as a guest. But when you go on, you can look and see that the two half squads is holding a TalkShoe. And you can go click on that, and it takes you into like a, a forum, like a chat room, and where you can see us and chat not visually see us but you can see that we're on there you can text chat with us and other people in the room and if you have a microphone connected to your computer 
we can actually uh, engage your microphone and you can talk to us live. So we can answer questions. Um, I don't know. Tell jokes. <laughs> uh, do imitations. Well, uh, I guess the listeners shouldn't plan on talking too long to us. That no, sh- quick things. That show's yeah. going to be a, a long show with the Malta flamethrower, all that stuff, and quiz show and... Um, we don't we don't want to spend an hour unless it, no. unless it becomes good or something. Well, yeah, we're gonna have to see how it goes. We're gonna see what people have to say. We may, you know, uh, w- we hate to say it, folks. You may or may not get on the show, just depending on if it's interesting or if it fits in. And we may hold it off to s- some other time. We're just gonna have to see how it goes. We don't know how it's gonna go. So right, and we're, it's a work in progress. There is some excitement about that too. I know we had yeah. a few a few emails. Someone saying I have to get some mics or I have yeah. to get a better mic and yeah. Oh, you know. I'm so, what so you want to do, if you want to talk to us, um, get a headset. We would prefer that you get a headset for your computer so that you can listen through the headset, not through your speakers. Because if you're listening through your speakers and talking through your microphone, we're going to get feedback and echo and things like that. And we'll just we'll cut you off if it happens. So, don't do it. Just like on radio. Yeah. We're going to have to cut you off. Turn down your radios, please. Yeah. And we may have people call in. Who knows? There might be a celebrity caller of some kind. Madonna, we know she plays squad later. I think, uh-oh, I think I've recycled her. I, mm. I've mentioned her once before. No, it was um, Sandra Bullock. Oh, <laughs> okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> All right, well. So that should, be a, that should be a very interesting experiment. And a first, another first uh, for a gaming podcast, and it's happening here well, on for the our, Two Half Squads. Well, for our podcast. There's yeah. an all-gaming podcast. Well, for all gaming. I don't think anybody's done it. Not live. Some have done that audio where they record a phone call, left message, and play it. Yeah, that's for dorks. This is going to be... A- <laughs> we'll see who's a dork when this yeah. doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, folks, just hang it up. What, yeah. try, what would you tell them? Try for half an hour, for an hour? Yeah. yeah. And after that, just... I mean, the because the, you'll be able to go on TalkShoe, and, and you know we can have 50 people in there all at the same time. You can all be chatting with each other. We'll all be in there text chatting. And then we just pick, you know, if somebody has a good question, you just they, you can just chat to us. I've got a good question for you, and we'll put you on the air. and Like vocally? Yeah, then you'll be on vocally. You'll be able to oh, talk to us. So we won't take maybe everyone that's in the chat? Yeah, room. we may not. Okay. We may not get to everybody. We'll have to see. No a lot of people will go home crying. Oh, we didn't get on. Oh. But maybe next time then, if there's a next time. Yeah, if it works out, we'll see how it goes. Might be fun. So uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah, let's call it a wrap and uh, just say goodnight to everybody. Thanks, Thanks for everybody. listening once again. We appreciate you. And don't forget, if you've got any f- stuff you'd like to send in to have us look at and review on the show, we're more than happy to do some product reviews. Send us a product. Yeah, we need to get some product from Bounding Fire and some of those other guys. So yeah. uh, hey, you Bounding Fire publishers yeah, anybody out there send well, us a, a little something and we'll do a what's in the box which we still haven't done star kit 3 even yet what's in the box yeah we'll that's have to right get that done too we're yeah. falling a bit behind on the what's in the box yeah we got to do more what's in the boxes so again thanks for listening thank you everybody remember roll low and may the dice be with you but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us, us. bye-bye